Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Red Letter Disciple podcast. And my name is Zach Zinder, the host for it. But I don't host this alone. I bring in my friend, my my good friend from Florida, Chris Johnson. He'll be here in a couple minutes. And we're going to welcome in studio today, one of the most special people in the entire world. That's not an exaggeration. It is my mom, Sharon Zender. She's coming in studio. And so we're going to talk to my mom today and she's going to help us. Our, our, our goal with this podcast is that it would challenge you and inspire you to be a greater disciple of Jesus wherever you might be, whether you're in the church or whether you're in your workspace or in your neighborhood. We want to challenge you because we want greater, fuller, and truer expressions of Jesus in this world so that Jesus can get all the glory. Amen. So mom's coming on to the show. She has been, we talk about the journey of being a pastor's wife for over 40 years and how her role as an aftercare director has helped her learn and now teach others and now us today about how to help those who are hurting, who are grieving. So what do you say to someone who's experienced loss? Uh, equally important, maybe what do you not say? What do you do? What do you not do? It's a really helpful conversation because let's be real, all of us have loss and all of us have grief and we know someone who's going through that. So she might also like open up about a little bit about me as a child. If that's interesting to you, then hey, you pick the right place. Today's episode wouldn't be possible without our partner, our sponsor, Kerry Newhoff and his free How to Build an Influential Online Presence Mastermind. If you're like me, you create content and it's fun to create content. It's hard, right? But what I found actually, the more I do this, it's actually easier to create content than it is to like get the content out, to distribute it. And so the world is is massive. And so we create all this God-centered, Christ-centered content, but how are we going to help those if they never hear it? What strategies do we do we implement? That's what Kerry Newhoff wants to help with. He he has done this and I've seen the course and it's how he uses his content to help so many leaders and he can help you as well. They have a free mastermind that's gonna help you amplify your reach and your impact online. What I learned in this is I learned to identify and put more language around my dream or my target audience. Also learned like ways to get them to notice the content that we're producing so that they can connect with us. We know we have something that they want, but how do we get it to them? And then finally, there's so many platforms out there. Like, how do you know which ones are going to work well with your content, which ones won't? And so we're going to, you're going to learn all of that. Uh, this free mastermind, you can go to influencekickstarter.com. Influencekickstarter.com. It's free and it's from Kerry Newhoff and his team. And I promise you, it's going to be awesome. So with all that being said, let's get to the in-studio conversation with Sharon Zender. Let's do this. Well, here we are on Red Letter Disciple. We got another guest in studio today, Mr. Johnson. Yes, one of my all-time favorite moms, Mama Z, is here. Yes. It legitimately is my favorite mom. Yeah. It's my mother. Well, I, I, I hope so. I hope yeah, so, right? I hope so, too. Yeah, I mean, it's the one I got, so... No, she's amazing. And her name, of course, is Mama Z to a couple of us. But Sharon Zender, and uh, really happy to have her on. Mom is a pastor's wife, uh, speaker, and she is an aftercare director uh, here in Omaha, Nebraska at a large family-owned funeral home. Uh, She also, a couple of years ago, wrote a book, her first book called Crosswords for Grief. Um, so we're going to dive into that, and that's probably going to form a, a good bit of our conversation uh, to talk about grief and loss and how do we help those 
that are there. And so welcome to the show, Sharon Zender, everybody. Thank you. So wait a second. Uh, she even got her red dress on. Too. I know. Thank you. It's a match. <laughs> For I the did. brand. I did. Um, Mama Z, how many kids do you have? Three. You have three kids. And you've got uh, Zachary here. Yes, I do. Middle, uh, middle child. Middle child. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eric? Eric? Yep. Older. Eric's the oldest. And, and Carista's Carista. the youngest. And she's the youngest. Yes. Yeah. So um, in the grand scheme of things, I know he's a good boy now. <laughs> and he turned yeah. into a good boy. I, just an opening question. Out of those three, where did Zach rate on how hard it was to raise him? Like, was he the toughest, the easiest? You don't have to name the other two, but how hard was it to raise this young man? Hard? It was not hard. Oh. Yes. Yep. He, he, he was a very good child to raise. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. I had my rough patches, like middle school, <laughs> you know, there was yes. the times that... Mom and dad said, if you continue to get more detentions, like we will not pick you up from school. You have to walk home. <laughs> what were you getting detentions for? I don't know. All my kids, all my kids were good kids. Yeah. To raise, though. Okay. I mean, so she forgets I, be, the detentions. To part. be quite honest, and I have forgotten any of the negative things. <laughs> Isn't that things, funny how so. that happens? <laughs> it really is. Like I remember when, when my wife had Kylie, she was in labor for 27 hours. Oh, wow. And it was, it was awful experience. Yeah. And I just remember thinking through the process, we are never having another kid after Kylie. This is over. And like five months later, Jen goes, so when do you want to have another kid? I'm like, <laughs> were you not there yeah, in so the hospital? Forget. Like, how do you forget those things? And mamas, good mamas have this tendency to forget the junk that we do. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> I think that represents the character and nature of our God. Amen. Yeah, very Amen. Much so. Amen. Forgives so. our sins. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Mom, I'm really happy to have you. So when this is going out live, it, it's actually just a couple of weeks away from Dad retiring uh, mm -hmm. from 40 plus years of ministry, mm -hmm. and you've God been bless him. Uh, <laughs> and you, <laughs> you've been alongside of him every step of the way. And so I, I want to hear. I think we hear for a lot of times, and I know on the regular side, but we've heard from a lot of pastors and get their mm -hmm. perspectives, which is awesome. But I kind of want to just hear your experience of what it's been like to be a pastor's wife for that many, that much time. That's a long time. Yeah. You know, um, here's how I describe it. It's a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And I love roller coasters. <laughs> That's amazing. I do. Zach knows yeah. this. And, um, but you guys know in the ministry, it's the ups and the downs. And, um, you know, I've been walking alongside Mark and been blessed to be able to walk mm -hmm. alongside other people that have gone through the challenges and the joys of yeah. life. And, um, that's a, that's a great gig that God gave to us. And, um, I, I think though, from the pastor's wife's perspective, one of the things that I would, would say, um, having worked with pastor's wives through pastoral leadership, mm -hmm. um, Institute, uh, one of the things that we always worked on with the wives is being who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that is very important. We had three key things that a woman knows where her identity is mm -hmm. as a child of God. And secondly, that she knows that she has that unique supportive role to her husband. Nobody else can fill that. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is discerning where your gifts and your strengths yeah. are to serve in the kingdom. 
And so every pastor's wife is going to look different mm-hmm. because those are all different. Mm. But the things we're united on are we're a child of God. We support our husbands and and we're all gifted. Yeah. And so every pastor's wife looks different. And I've just been trying to do my lane of who God's yeah. made me. I've always apologized to my wife because when we first got <laughs> married, uh, for many reasons, but uh, but when we first got married, I was like doing radio yeah. and and. She had no idea she was marrying a pastor yeah. ever. Yeah. And, you know, so I decide, you know, midway through my life that um, I'm going to be a pastor and go to the seminary. And I remember her saying, it, it, this is a surreal experience because all of a sudden now they're mm. expecting things from Jen that they maybe had gotten from other pastor's wives. Yes. And she's like, I did not ask <laughs> for this. This oh, is yeah challenging you know so it's huge and she's done amazing but uh it it, you know i I always like god i'm so sorry and you had no idea what you were getting the roller coaster you're about to be on you're you're right chris there were a number of pastor's wives that that were going through pastoral leadership institute that had no idea they were going to marry a pastor Mm -hmm. because it became a second career or you know that god just called them yeah and it was huge because those expectations that can come you know, from the church, you know, can put you, if you don't, if you aren't working on who you are, yeah. they'll put you where you want to be. Exactly. And, and that a lot of times isn't a great fit. A hundred percent. Like yeah. the, while well, the old pastor's wife uh, made <laughs> us all cookies right. on Wednesday. Well, that's cool. You yeah. know, she got good at saying no, thank God. But um, that's yeah, very healthy. It is. Yeah. My, my story is different because Allison, when, before we met at college, like she said, the one person I won't marry is a pastor. <laughs> and yet she knew I was studying to be and, one. And she didn't. What you're talking about. Anyway, so I, I think, though, that the pastor's wife and, and I think I feel that for Allison, too, like it, it, it can be so often there's expectations there yeah. that you can be overlooked. Uh, a lot of times they will care for the pastor, but f- forget how the pastor's mm-hmm. wife feels. Even when like someone is criticizing, criticizing of the pastor, like pastor's wife feels that too. And so it's so much a part of the pastor's job in life is the pastor wife. And so I've wondered, like, have you thought what Mark, your husband's retirement day is like going to be like for you? Like what mm-hmm. emotions do you think you'll have in his retirement? Cause it's almost like, your pastor wife retirement too. I haven't thought ahead about it a lot, you know, and, you know, so just thinking of that, you know, um, I'm an emotional person. I know, (laughs) I mean, I could get emotional just talking about it, but, um, yeah, the, the highs and the lows, I mean, I'm sure there will be flashing back, you know, most of our ministry has been, you know, as of recent at King of Kings, but I'm sure there'll be the flashing back of the different, different places that we've served. And, and, you know, I think the thing that comes through most loud and clear that I will be reflecting on is even in the, you guys know, there's hard times mm-hmm. and um, the hard times is where you press in mm-hmm. and um, you you find out where your faith is yeah. and you find out who God is and he's so faithful. You know, yeah. he's always there. It's that you can't, you can't force him on it, you know, but but when you see that different, I call it that different side of God's face, mm-hmm. and you see where your faith has come through, it was worth it. Mm. And there's nothing else, mm. you know, that can get you through. Mm-hmm. Those are the 
precious things mm-hmm. that, you know, just build on the faith and give you what you need to be able to help serve others because you've walked it yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's the grief, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. the grief that can come up in the ministry that can be so challenging. And we, we've got an enemy that wants to take yeah. us out, you know, yeah. so it's just remembering he's always in charge. And so I'm sure I'll be flashing through, <laughs> you know, some sure. of those things, but God gets glorified in the end. Yeah. You brought up something that just just kind of triggered something in my head. I remember when um, they the district president came to me when they first opened SMP um, to specific just, ministry pastor, it's right? Like a route to become so like you can either go pastor. to the seminary or you can take this online program. Um, and they said you you should do this, and I said uh, absolutely not. I'm not going to ever be a pastor. And and then they came around the next year and said you should do it. And I thought about it and talked to my wife about it and did it. Um, but I always said um, the one reason I, I love uh, working with youth. And I said to my district president, he drilled down on me. He said, why don't you want to be a pastor? And I said because my biggest fear is that I would have to do a funeral for a baby. And I don't know if I could do it. And now there was other things, but literally that was it. And so I had just gotten ordained. And the next week, Pastor Paul um, and Pastor Matt, they were gone. They were out of town. And we get a phone call that a two-week-old baby had passed away. And the father um, had the baby, and she, she was sleeping on him. And he rolled over and she stopped breathing. She, he basically, you know, yeah, that's the way it went. And uh, they said, we need to do the funeral in three days. And I did that funeral. And I remember just thinking to myself, this is something like, this is exactly why I didn't want to do this, you know? And the mom's in the front row and she's crying and the dad's crying. And I get through that whole thing. And we're able to bring like an ounce of comfort, I guess, you know, but I get through my biggest fear and, and I realized, okay, I can only do this with God because this is terrifying. Um, and I think about that in your role as an aftercare director, I think that's gotta be one of the toughest (laughs) jobs, uh, in human kind, uh, doing that. And I'm assuming that you're meeting with the family, uh, preparing them for what's to come and uh, like kind of a counseling role. Is that fair? Let me clarify. Um, You know, I work part-time and I primarily work with the spouses after they have gone through the death of their husband or wife. Okay. Um, I have some contact with families if it's a child, but, Mm -hmm. but because I only work part-time and we're, we're the largest, you know, mortuary, I'm busy enough with just the spousal loss, you Mm -hmm. know, that, and so I don't work as much like with the little babies, but uh-huh. I, but yeah. my, my resources for support would extend to any of them. And if anybody called me and asked for that, you know, so I'm more used to working, you know, with the, yeah. the older adults, sure. but you can have a 30 year old that, you know, has lost their spouse too. Yeah. You know? So yeah. That makes sense. That, you know, it makes perfect sense. And I, 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 that is a tough gig. <laughs> yeah. And oh. I think that's your unique, like, like we talked about pastors, why everybody has different gifts and, and different things they bring to the table. And that's your unique niche. Yeah. yeah there's been times where you've helped uh, and you've spoken at seminars to pastors, wives and mm-hmm. about leadership stuff, but that's been the constant the last couple decades is being that aftercare director 
And so I'm curious, I want to, yeah, go into that even more. Uh, I think, especially with the last couple of years of COVID and everything that Mm. it's done to our world and all Mm -hmm. of the loss that has occurred. uh, I I heard Rick Warren once say that in the midst of, you know, this COVID, maybe it was probably about 18 months after it started. I heard him say that one of the biggest things that's going to be left behind in the COVID wake is a tsunami of grief. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, do you uh, agree with that? And, and why do you believe that? What does that mean? Yeah, I, I had heard that his quote for that as well. And I do agree with it. You know, you know, when you look at there's different definitions of grief, but when you look at grief is is the that unexpected loss mm-hmm. or the loss of a dream of what you you know, that's one way to look at it. Or um, another one is an intense emotional experience that's triggered by loss. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we've been yeah. through. Mm. You know, we're, we're dealing with that unexpected yeah. and all the things that we thought were going to be natural and normal are right. not anymore. And so we're having to figure out, okay, what, it, and, it, and for a while there, I mean, we're still coming out of that some, but it's yeah. still trying to figure out what is even normal. Uh-huh. And so there's tons of feelings mm-hmm. that go with that. And people don't know what to do with those feelings because it is grief. And, and so it's finding expression, you know, for those feelings because they're real. Mm -hmm. And if you just try and, you know, not express them or bypass them, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're still going to wait to be dealt with. Right. So there's a, there's a whole community of people all over the world that are trying to figure this out. And it, and it, if you don't deal with it in the right way, it can come out in other yeah. ways. Well, and you talk about how we've lost some things during COVID, you know, and I think working with school kids a lot, there's some high schoolers that lost a year and a half yep. of four years of school. Yep. And, and, you know, I said this to Zach earlier, but the extroverts like were devastated It needed counseling and the introverts yep. were like, this is fantastic, right. you know? Uh, so yeah. it affected everybody so much differently. Yeah. And I think that you said unexpected loss, right? And so that's what the big worldwide was unexpected, Mm -hmm. but I'm also like in the midst of that, like a lot of death occurred and, and uh, because of the way things were like some families weren't even able to have the proper funeral or delayed it for when COVID was over and when is it ever over? And so like, I'm just thinking like, number one, it's hard to lose somebody. Mm -hmm. And then if you can't, either when they're passing away. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can't even grieve or you have to wait and then bring it back up a year or two later or. uh, And you can't have a funeral. Right. Like we had families where yeah, literally they're on their deathbed. The doctor would say they're going to pass away in the next 24 hours, but you can't come see them. Right. Right. And so all of that loss is right. That's I'm assuming just stacking up and, and we're not able to grieve. Right. So now we're left with this. And so what, because I think all of us lost something in it. Yeah. Um, and, and some lost people. Some, like you said, lost uh, years of, of yeah, school. Some right. lost graduations. Some lost, some lost jobs. Sports some seasons, lost, jobs. Yeah. I mean, you name it. Businesses. It was, right. Yeah, you know, like. So what are the things, like, as, we, as you look at, at grief and how to appropriately grieve, uh, we all have someone in our life that's grieving over something. So what are, I'm curious, things that are appropriate to say, uh, things that are not appropriate to say. And just so you know, like a lot of times the Johnsons will just <laughs> nervously joke and laugh. Yeah. And I will grief. do that. Totally. And then you feel uncomfortable, but right. you, at least you laugh. That's your coping. That's right? my coping mechanism. It's really insincere. Go ahead. 
I like to laugh. I love to laugh. But I think we just had a moment of seriousness uh, with Chris. I know that's totally true. Okay, like, good. In the in the midst and of now like, we're laughing to cope. I know. With the I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so true. Well, but let's. How should we properly well, do and it? And the people that are the best comedians are usually oh, coming from. Totally. You know, they say a lot of pain. Mm, yeah. And that's and how, that's why I'm so funny. That's how. <laughs> I'm not drawing that line. Not but you should. <laughs> it, it would be appropriate. That's good. So the question was, so um, what are things you, you should say or not say, say okay. in grieving? Yeah. yeah. I think, I, I think the first, the first grief principle that I talk about with people when they're negotiating their own grief, you know, is, you know, kind of what I mentioned before, it's permission to feel, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we try to go go past that and just, you know, sweep it under the rug. And that, that's what that time was. And, and yet you have to be able to have permission to feel mm-hmm. what you need to feel and acknowledge it, name it, you know, does it make you angry? You know, does it make you sad? Mm-hmm. You know, and then feel through those feelings. I think that's huge because sometimes we, we think that if we're feeling bad, that's not a good thing, but sometimes you have to, yeah. I say, vent it out, mm-hmm. you know, before you can, mm-hmm. you know, be real about taking some positive steps. Um, I think that the second thing, you know, is to just authentically listen. Now, not everybody's going to be a safe person for each per- person, but, you know, it's finding those people that are, you know, if you feel like you're a safe friend for a person, mm-hmm. it's to be able to just really listen to them. Mm-hmm. And it's not thinking about what am I going to say next or, you know, it's it's trying to just get into their shoes and and ask the questions, you know, I can tell or, or your observations. I can, I can tell that this is really hurtful for you. You know what? What? Tell me more about it mm-hmm. or 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 um, how can I? Can, what are some practical things, you know, that yeah. I can do to help you? You know, can I listen to you every week or can I, you know, just mm-hmm. having those statements that I, that you're observing and you're trying to be, it's, it's being empathetic. Right. You're trying to have empathy for them, put yourself in their shoes so that you can um, try to even understand what they're walking through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in grief work, we call that, we call that companioning alongside you know, you're not trying to fix them. It's not a fixable thing. It's just walking alongside them and trying to be that safe person. Sometimes you don't even have to mm-hmm. say a lot. It's just, I'm going to be here for you, and and you, you can call me at any time. Um, I don't know the right words. I don't have the right words. Yeah. yeah. I had a friend who recently had... Um, uh, she recently had her husband pass away mm-hmm. and she said to me at, after the church service, if one more person tells me he's in a better place, I'm going to lose my mind, mm. you know? And, and I think it's because a lot of times we don't know what to say, right. you know, but that's, <laughs> so I think that's a great question yeah. because I think sometimes we bobble that, you know, yeah. like by trying, yes, he might be in a better place, but what's that doesn't help me right now. I'm right. the See, one that, that falls into the, whether you realize it or not, you're trying to fix it for them. You're yeah. trying to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. And so often you may have a perfect verse, mm. but it just falls on dead ears mm-hmm. because it's not the right time for that right. verse. It's, right. They don't need to be fixed by God's scripture. Especially two minutes after the funeral. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. <laughs> yes. so I think, yeah, in the, in the say versus not say, I think in the say category, I heard you say permission to feel. Mm-hmm. And also just being a listener. So it's it's just positioning yourself with presence 
Yeah. I, I think, right? Is that and then Yeah, especially for the people that you're closest to. Yeah. I mean, you're you know, I think everybody has to find, you know, certain people are gonna they're gonna wanna be safe mm-hmm. with them and then there's others that mm-hmm. that's not their role. And then, and then in the not to say things, it was like anything that might just try to fix them right away. Yeah. And so that's where we get the line that, yeah, yeah, they're in a better place. Are there any other, cause I don't think when someone says, what are the top five place, things, you could, bad things you could say to someone? Right. But I, cause I don't think anyone that's saying uh, they're in a better place is like actually consciously thinking I need to fix them. This is what I got to say. I think no, they just don't know not. what to say. And, they, and they're I trying to be helpful. It. They're struggling and, so, and death makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. And so is there you know? any other, fr- I'm, I'm just curious, like, cause we'll deal, all of us will, and every listener will deal with this. Like, mm-hmm. is there any other phrases that are like that? Yeah. That, like just yep. come out of us that are like, actually, that's not helpful. That's not helpful. Yeah. yeah I can tell you what people have told me, yes, you know, especially please. because, you know, they're pretty open about, <laughs> you know, those, those kinds of things. And before I say that though, you're right. The, when you're trying to, we're just trying to help. Mm-hmm. I'm even, I'm uncomfortable with it and I work with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard and it's hard to know what to say. So sometimes the less said is better. Okay. And just, you know, just even touching somebody on the arm and I care, you know, I'm mm. here. Um, this, 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 this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I've said that, uh, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. So what not to say though um, some of the top ones, I know exactly how you feel. My mm. my cat died last week, and you know, I mean, that's an extreme example. No, but but, I, but I, when people mm-hmm. try to compare their loss, mm-hmm. it it doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. set well, you know. And which, which uh, not to interrupt, but that's interesting to me too, because sometimes when you're counseling somebody, that's not it's not death. But it's helpful for them to know that you've gone through, uh, like maybe it's a struggle or a sin, because sometimes people will look at you and be a pastor and think, and now I can relate to you. But you're saying in this instance with death, that that's not helpful at all. Well, I think there can be a time and a place where you share your story. I mean, you know, maybe you'll just mention, I'm so sorry you're walking through this. I went through the loss of my grandma, Uh, but, but I see. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I can only imagine how hard it is. Because you, you go back to empathy yes. as opposed to, I know what you're going through. It'll and be And then okay. you tell yeah. your story for right. 10 minutes. But then you're they're, talking and not listening. They're not, they're out, they're not, right. you're not helping them. Gotcha. That you makes know, sense. I mean, you could make a, a passing comment that I've had a loss and it, it was hard and I'm, you know, but put it back on them. Okay. So that's interesting. So don't say he's in a better place. Don't say, um, I, I know exactly what you're going through. Anything else? Um, just th- throwing out the, you know, as a lot of people that are watching this are Christians, throwing out the Christian verses, mm-hmm. you know, usually uh, at the beginning, unless it's maybe in a card that maybe, you know, is, is trying to put comfort in there. Mm-hmm. They usually don't come off well yeah. for most people, sure. mm-hmm. um, even though we want to go there. It's not that you can't put a verse, but maybe put it in a card and, and you know, the Lord brought you to mind with this verse. Those ah. can be very, those can be very helpful, yeah. you know, but just to, you know, throw out verses a lot of times. Leave that for the funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, leave it. Yeah. Those things. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um not thinking of any. If somebody told me moment. after I lost my spouse, you know, I, I just lost my cat. I know where you, I, I may slap them. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so offensive. Oh, if somebody I know said another that. one. I know another one. Yeah. yeah. Um, how soon are you going to start dating? Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, and I know another oh. one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, coming back. This, no, this, was, yeah. this one, this one happened and I still can't believe it. Um, a, a couple, they lost their 21 year old daughter mm. and their child's name was never brought up again by their family. Mm. Never. It, and they would have gatherings together at Christmas. They ask if they, and they just, it was like this child never existed. So the, the mom and dad wouldn't bring the child's no. name? No other family they wanted to and they were asking for that and other family just never Mm. and and that's that's something i want to mention because the mentioning of the loved one's name um it's best to ask permission but usually unless it's if it's a safe person Mm -hmm. you want to do that yeah because think about that as time goes on Who's talking about them mm-hmm. and who's mentioning their name? Two years later, mm-hmm. that woman still is remembering her husband of every day, yeah. but nobody's talking about his name. So sometimes the very mention of the name gets tears coming because they haven't heard it. it. Mm. And so that can be a gift to to mention, you know, or even yeah. to say, you know, I know your daughter's name, you know, was X, Y, Z. Is that okay? You know, that we talk about her. Yeah. And and asking permission. That's really that. good advice. I never would have thought of that, you know, because sometimes it is two years past, you know, I've had friends that have lost spouses and you don't know if you can bring it up, but you remember the good yeah. time, you know, so that's great advice. And, and the thing is, is people think if they bring it up, they're going to make them sad. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact opposite. They make it sad sure. because they haven't heard that name and it brings tears. Mm. But it's actually, for most people, it's actually a gift. And, oh, and if wow. you're not sure, ask permission. Sure. Do you, yeah. do you think, because obviously you specialize in the loss of spouse and, and grieving loss, death. Does that cats. carry, <laughs> cats, does that, <laughs> does that carry the same weight in other losses? Like, I'm thinking particularly of the naming it. So what if I didn't lose a spouse, but I lost a job or I lost, yeah, a a year of school or I lost whatever. Is it, is it similar? You think, um, the grief principles, I, I talk about, there's a big grief umbrella. Okay. Okay. And death is one of the biggest ones Mm -hmm. that falls under that, but other losses in life, divorce, Mm -hmm. a handicapped child, Mm -hmm. loss of a job, this pandemic, mm-hmm. they all fall under those yeah. basic grief principles. And so, so yeah, the grief principles of trying to, trying to name what you're going through and identify the feelings that are going with it and finding appropriate healthy outlets for that. I talk about healthy grief versus unhealthy mm-hmm. and the unhealthy, you know, just it is helping people recognize, okay, here, I'm going to give you my three words. <laughs> Zach, I That's think you've, you've heard these. You got to be real to feel to heal. Ah, so rhyme. you rhyme and he uses alliteration. I see how the zenders work. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> you got to be real to feel to heal. Real to and feel. the challenge is when you start to be real and you start to feel, if you've loved somebody, it hurts like the Dickens. Mm-hmm. And who wants to hurt? Nobody does. Mm-hmm. So it's easier sometimes to try to go around those feelings. Mm. And you can. But what I, I you know, in a, a big perspective, what that ends up being is the use, abuse, addiction mm. pathway, which is unhealthy grief. Sure. There's a, so many things you can do to be healthy in your grief. What is it? it use, what did you say? Use, abuse, addiction. 
So what happens is you can numb your pain with drugs, with alcohol, with gambling, with shopping, with eating. There's all kinds of things you can numb your pain with, you know, besides some of what I just mentioned. Sure. Iowa football. <laughs> That's, that is an addiction that leads to a lot of abuse, actually. It's just not a good way. <laughs> right, right. But you don't heal. No, no. It just, and and yeah. so... What happens? I keep is, repeating the same process. And, over. and, and I was going to say, you, yeah. you just end up you're going you're going that circle, and so people get off the healing pathway, and then they get into this addiction. Mm -hmm. So you can either die in your addiction, you can kill somebody else, or you can get treatment. Mm. So if you get treatment, you come back to the healing pathway. You might have been on that pathway for five or 10, mm. 20 years. Mm. I've had people that lost a parent. And they never dealt with their grief. And then 20 years later, they're having other negative things, probably some of the things I mentioned, mm -hmm. that they realize I got to get some help. Mm. So the grief waits for you to deal with it. And so that's where if you give yourself permission to feel through it in, in appropriate ways, that's where the healing that's can good. come. Hmm. So a couple years ago, you became author, Sharon Zender. Uh, with the book Crosswords yes. for Grief. So taking a lot of what you've learned and then, of course, your love for Scripture and God's truth. Um, talk to me about what this book is about and why did you write it? I just opened it up to page 125. Just randomly right yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. I, I just opened it up for the first time. And in chapter 20, trust. I have loved roller coasters since I was a kid. <laughs> there, you oh. <laughs> there you go. I enjoy seeing the adrenaline high in people. Exiting the seats with their face excitedly thrilled from the heart pumping experience. So, oh, you're, so she, Mama she Z was, she was she telling the truth. The Mama Z told the she truth. She likes roller coasters. I think that was under the word trust. Yeah, yes. it was. It and was. The thing about that, you know, my you know, I start each one with something from my life. Mm -hmm. And um, each chapter. Yeah, each chapter I start with something from my life. Not a lot, but um, the point of it is you wouldn't get on the roller coaster if you didn't know where it was going. And you didn't hmm. trust that it was going to go, you know, to a safe place. <laughs> right. Well, that's so funny. My son will not ride a roller coaster because he, he's seen the things where the roller coasters get stuck, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not sure it's come. I'm going to make it through. That's the only, I don't want to do this. Right. I still haven't talked him into going. Ky Kylie's like, let's go over and over and over. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. And, and, you know, the point under that word <laughs> um, is uh, we know where our roller coaster ends. Mm. I mean, it ends with eternity. Yeah. So the ups and the downs of life, no matter how severe with the grief and the pain, we know who holds that roller coaster together and we can trust them. And, and so, but getting back to, um, yeah, when I got my master's, I wrote this book. I actually wrote it about um, eight years ago mm -hmm. and finally put it together in a book uh, a number of years later. And it was a research project where I interviewed the top, interviewed anonymous grieving people and got the top 30 words that they were struggling with. That mm. if, you know, if you could ask God or, you know, what are you, what, what are you finding? Mm -hmm. And so in the table of contents, there's 30 words. The, the top word that came up the most. Was Can I guess? Oh, I was going to say, why, why, oh, why? why did this Questions. happen? Okay. No, Hope. Ah. People either needed hope or ah. they were hopeless, mm. you know, so there can be forms of the word. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, for myself, I knew when I had gone through hard grief in life and tough stuff in ministry, I knew that the only thing that could help me the most was God's word mm. and what he said. And so 
The goal in this was to help the reader under the words that the 30 words to see what God said. And I was Mm -hmm. asking God when I wrote it for that rhema word, that fresh word, you know, that he would bring out. So I looked at the Greek, I looked at the Hebrew, I looked at the context to just try to put something together for the reader that would um, bring some of those concepts from God's word to them. But then I've woven in the 20 years of mm-hmm. 20 plus years yeah. of, of the practical stuff. So each word will have biblical devotional stuff, but it will also have practical stuff. Cool. You mentioned the word hope, which is one of the 30 in there. Mm-hmm. Is there another word that has really spoken to you as you have grieved losses in your life? Yeah. Yeah. There is, there's a word that I think has helped other people the most, but with that, with that particular emphasis, I can get into fear. And so that's the word that probably, you know, I have related to. And, and this, this was even in ministry when I was going through a fearful time. Um, You know, the second Corinthians 10, take every thought captive Mm -hmm. and make it obedient to Christ. That's what I have under the word fear um, is that, you know, Satan gets in there and the enemy wants to stir up lies and um, the acronym uh, for fear is false evidence appearing real. Mm. You know, he wants to help us think things are what they're not. Mm. And he wants us to believe lies, to see untruths. And, and so what comes in with fear is just that principle of knowing God has the truth, filling our minds with his truth and taking it uh, captive to him. Yeah. And so many, obedient. so many people especially kids, they'll build the false narratives, right? Like, yep. and, and, and they're convinced that uh, parents got divorced. I'm going to live with my mom. She's not going to make enough money. We're going to be homeless. And they've yeah. already walked themselves yeah. to the final step. And I, I just wonder how many times with fear, how many times do we worry about things that don't actually come to fruition right. because of the enemy and what, you know, he's, He's really good at it. Yeah. And I talk about that in, uh, I use the scripture and, and I forget whether, I think it's in Psalms about a stronghold because that's where the enemy can build a stronghold mm-hmm. that of what's not true. Yeah. And so we have to break through those strongholds and make God our stronghold. And relationships are so, so important in that too. Like having godly relationships where I can go to Zach and say, mm-hmm. this is what I'm, and he can say, he can help me call out that lie. You yeah. know, it's right. so true. What about you know, I think a lot of times, typically after a, a sudden loss or an unexpected loss, especially in the church, and it's some of the, one of the beautiful pieces of the church is that we can super rally behind people that have experienced a loss in yeah. the moment, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. kind of urgent, which they need it, but then it can kind of like trickle off <laughs> it, it, without <sighs> intention. Have you noticed that, or how? Like, how, how can we? Oh, that's not just gr- help them grieve, no. like right away, which is super necessary. But then three months down the road, what do we do? You know, six months down the road, they're still experiencing loss. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I like, like just that initial card that's everybody sends. Sometimes I initially wait a month or two to send, you know, that's just a real little piece of, of that. Um, Making note of people that are significant to you, what those anniversary dates are, whether it's their birth date, their death date, mm. um, anniversaries, you know, those, and just remembering people with a phone call or a 
card or something, you know, that I haven't forgotten texting, you know, just yeah. most people don't do that. Yeah. And th that's really helpful. Can, can you share a story of whether it was you helping someone else or another story of, you know, someone else helping another person who is grieving of uh, just something beautiful that came out of it or something that maybe unexpected that came from it. And like, cause what's one of the things I love to do with this podcast is, is to think about and imagine like, and I know we're in a world of sin and brokenness, but like, if we could get this right, you know, life, right. If we could get discipleship, right. If we could get grieving and how to, how to help people, right. Like what does it look like and what difference could it make? And so, yeah, I guess, is there one story that sticks out of, uh, something that, you know, this, this is a time a person, whether it's you or someone else got it right. And this is the difference it made in, in that person's life who is grieving. Um, well, the story I'm about to tell you happened with a person that's been grieving for a little while. So this would probably not be appropriate, you know, for the first year or so. Mm. Um, but I have someone in my life um, who went through the loss of a child and she's been going through a really hard time. It was very unexpected. And um, uh, she's a Christian, very strong faith, um, but had gotten into a funk, mm -hmm. you know, with her grief and um, was frustrated, had, had been going through support groups and stuff. And um, her sister reached out to me and so said, could you give her a call? And so I gave her a call. And <clears throat> one of the things that I had just read that day. I, I love to read about the persecuted church. Mm -hmm. And there's a, a devotional, I think it's called Extreme Devotions, put up by Voice of the Martyr, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, it's different things about persecuted people throughout the history of the church. You know, some of them go back way back to Christ's time, and some of them are recent. And I had read something that day that, you know, just in my devotional time that just really, you know, touched me because mm -hmm. it, it helps me stay grounded, you know, and that, yeah. you know, we, we've got such a cushy life, yeah. you know, yeah. compared. Sure. And so <clears throat> she was, you know, we were just talking and I felt like the Lord put the impression on me to read, read and, and give her the insight from this thing. And, and it it really got through to her because it was about someone um, someone who whatever country this was in they were they were um, trying to make a difference as in a country where where they were being persecuted for their faith and he was he was really trying to win this person for Christ and and he was talking about you know even if my life was sacrificed you know, for this person. And um, so anyhow, I shared this story with her and, and he was being tortured, but he still, he still was wanting to be faithful to witness of God's love to this person. And so I shared that story with her. And I, I think, again, it was God's impression. I think it was God's timing to break her out of the deep grief because I said, you know, God's going to get you through this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though it feels like you're not going to come through this, mm -hmm. he's doing something in you right. that's going to make a difference for somebody else someday. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you got to keep your eyes focused on this isn't the end. Yeah. You know, he's going to do something beautiful in this, but you can't feel it right now. Yeah, And that broke through to her. 
you know, I mean, she, she responded right away to me. She said, I needed this, Mm. you know, so that was, that was a God moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and I've said it Mm -hmm. before on the podcast, but I just love the idea that, you know, I learned a long time ago is just that nothing in God's economy is wasted. Nope. And so even these hardest times, these hardest moments, uh, the deepest, darkest seasons, like God can use those in some way, shape or form. And it doesn't make it easy, um, but it, it is nice to know that God's with us and God can use it. And mm-hmm. and so, so cool. All right, Mama Z. Can I say some one other thing may, there? I will allow it. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's my podcast. You know what? But you're my mom. Yeah, so you, I'm you, not going to say no to you. You gave this so. man life. Go ahead. You say whatever you want. So we're even now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just to add to what you said. Um, I always say God's a God of redemption and I have seen him take things full circle around in a way that I never would have dreamed because he cares about each person. And so, you know, sometimes just like these persecuted people Mm -hmm. that, uh, and whatever we may go through, we may not see it in our lifetime, but I think we'll see it in eternity. Yeah. You know, we, we can trust the hand of God, yeah. no matter how hard it is. And we may not see it in this lifetime, but it's to, to draw upon that faith that I know who I know, who I believe. But I want to see it in this lifetime. I know. That's good <laughs> Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. That's true. That was very good. All right. So I'm going to ask in just a second, a, a challenge for you to issue to our, our audience. But first, like, hey, Crosswords for Grief. I'm not just saying it because it's my mom. It's a great book. <laughs> If you want it, we're going to put the link to get this in the show notes, redletterpodcast.com. And what we've seen, what I've seen, I've been a part of a couple of churches that have used this uh, as a tool to help someone in their church who is grieving, who has experienced loss. So it's, it's more than a card to say, hey, we're sorry for your loss, but it's a book that can actually help them longer um, walk through the journey. And so I think if there's any pastors or church leaders out there that's looking for a resource um, that, that they can give to, you know, anyone who is experiencing loss or the death after a funeral, be a great gift. Um, and so crosswords for grief, it's an awesome book. We'll put it in the show notes, but mama, if you could challenge our audience, we ask every guest like practically to do one thing to grow as a disciple this week, what would your challenge be? Can I add one other piece before we answer uh, again, that I'm not question? saying no. you can do I'm whatever you want. No. <laughs> um, Sometimes I'm surprised people are not aware of of grief resources that are all over the United States. Yeah. Um, Ten different countries. My very, very favorite thing to talk about, I've got it in my book in numerous places, is um, www.griefshare.org. Yeah. In Omaha, we usually have 20 different churches that are offering Grief Share. It's in little cities. It's in large cities. You find it with a zip code. So now... What was your question? All right. And we'll have that link in the show notes too. Thank but you. the question is, if you could challenge our audience to grow as a disciple in one particular way this week, what, what would your challenge be for the listeners? Can I have, can I have an inner and an outer and you can, and you can, <laughs> Whatever you, you, want. Can, yeah. you can decide what you post. No, put them, yeah, okay. You're good. So the inner way um, of growth as a disciple, I would say, uh, if you don't have a prayer partner, get one. Okay. Take steps towards that. Yeah. You know, whether it's just beginning to pray about it, asking God who, um, making a commitment to someone. I don't think I'd be alive except for the, we had intercessory prayer. Mm. So that's the inner. Okay. Okay. 
um, the outer, living out the discipleship life. Um, probably when I was 20-some years old, um, I had a quote that I got from Mary Kay Ash. She was in charge of Mary Kay Cosmetics, that mm. whole company. Mm. And she had a quote um, that said, everyone has an invisible sign hanging around their neck that says, make me feel important. And I remember that. Mm. And I think that as a disciple who's living out Christ, who's in us, um, if we, the challenge would be, you know, making that practical weekly, daily, um, who are you going to talk to and make them feel important? And it's not about me. It's about God through me, you know, but that can start a conversation. It may be, you know, it may be a compliment. It may be a, something nice you say to somebody, but that opens the door for other conversation. Cool. Make me feel important. That's really cool. Um, okay. She's the only one that gets to issue two challenges. Um, <laughs> That's right. I'm not going to say no. Nope. But hey, if you take either one of those challenges on, the inner of getting a prayer partner and taking steps towards yeah. that, or the outer of, I love that, eyes that say, make me feel important, and you make someone else in their world feel important. Hashtag Red Letter Disciple. Let us know on social or in the comments if you're watching on YouTube that you're in, you're doing it, and the difference that it's making. I you know, love it. That, um, <laughs> that statement just really convicted me because you know how sometimes you've got people in church that want to have your ear like all the time, you know, yeah. and then you have the person that actually might really need you <laughs> getting overshadowed by the person yep. that's constantly in your face. But um, I, that's just interesting because essentially that person might have a bigger make me feel important sign than the other person, but we all have them, right? We yeah. do. We do. That's yeah. uh, you really, have, mine's you gigantic. You have a really mine's, big one with mine, the sequins. Mine, are, mine is neon. Yeah. <laughs> make me feel important sign. It's you a sequin screaming. jacket. Oh my goodness. Chris, you have been so kind to me. I know, but it ends but, here. I know. <laughs> I want to say I'm your biggest fan. I know, I know. And Mama Z, when we were doing the Preachers Not Preaching podcast, Mama Z would always comment on everything. She always, like, I got to tell you, I grew up with my grandparents. I I, I didn't really have much of a relationship with my mom until I was later in my life. And... I, and, you know, I was always like, Zach would always, he never had a, a bad word about his mom. He, like always, I was like, gosh, it must've been so nice right? to have it Mama is. Z, yeah. you know? And so uh, I'm just thinking uh, in my head, I know no families are perfect, but this no. seems like a pretty darn good one. Mm. But on TV, it, it seems like there's a lot of perfect moms. Okay. And so I was going to quiz your mother tonight <laughs> on this um, by Insider.com. They have ranked the top five TV moms of all time. And being a fantastic real-life mom, I'm just curious if you could guess. Some are very classic, and there's one that's a little bit more new. Okay. So let's play the Can You Guess the Most Popular TV Mom oh. game with Mama Z. Here we go. <laughs> Florence Henderson's portrayal of the always smiling, always calm and collected blank became the benchmark for all mothers that they tried to hit in the early 1970s. Do you know who that character was? Florence Henderson. Okay. She had three kids. She had three kids and her husband had three kids and they got together. Oh, yes. Uh, The the Brady Bunch. Yes. But what was her name? Don't know. Carol Brady. Okay, half point. I feel half like if point. you get the TV show. Okay, okay. Get, I need oh, a lot of hints. Let's bend the rules because it's his mom. 
Please do that. Nobody I'm, else bends the rule. I'm not letting her oh, walk out. You don't want to just write the games from now on? All right. All right. Have you ever had a guest hit the buzzer? <laughs> on me? Yes. Oh, we had to eliminate the buzzers. Too many people thought they were annoying. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Now, this one, I don't know if you're going to get this one. Um, she was married to Archie in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. Edith. Edith. There you go. Edith, she got Edith Bunker. You know the yes, show? I do. What yeah. is this? Um, uh, <laughs> For another uh, point. Oh, shoot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The name of the show, Edith Bunker. Those were the days. Wow, that was I know. It was yeah, horrible. that was pretty good. Thank uh, you. Give me the first. Uh, all? All in the family. That's it. Boom, go. boom, yes. boom, boom. Go. By the way, I defeated your son in a parody contest today that he's still kind of bitter about, <laughs> but I won't. Oh, I sh maybe shouldn't have mentioned that. I don't know if. Anywho, here's one with the perfectly, I think the word is coiffed hair mm -hmm. and always looking exquisitely dressed, even when just around the house. This housewife became the embodiment, for better or worse, of what a 1950s housewife was supposed to be. That's the cleaver. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. In the TV show? Uh, leave it to be. That's it. June oh. Cleaver. Okay. June Cleaver, yes. So you're saying that maybe, oh, wait, this will be my last one. Okay. And then I have a bonus question for you today. Okay. All right. This has been easy, right? Crush it. Easy. All right. <laughs> she was an accomplished mother and lawyer. For many viewers, this is the first time they'd seen a successful black working mother on TV. Wow. And. Uh, I can't say that. It'll give it away. Yep. A lawyer. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what this one is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, her name was Claire. And First name, yep. She, yeah, and she was married to... A guy that's gotten oh, canceled in culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. That's Cosby show. show. Yeah, yes. yeah. Huxley. I guess I, I didn't realize she was a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah, the Cosby show. Man, we all watched that one. Uh, hey, Mom, if people want to connect with you, where can they, where can they find you? Or how can they find your resource? Um, the book's on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, that's the easiest access. Um, Never heard of it. There's what also is that? Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's the quickest one yeah. you can also contact me with the information you have if Great. they're if they're local they sure can contact me locally Great, so. and we will put that information in the show notes too so it'll all be organized there mm -hmm. and if you want to grab a copy of the book connect with my mom who's pretty awesome she is and uh super grateful love you thanks for being on the show <laughs> all right y'all thank you for joining red letter disciple we'll see you back next week bye Thank you, Mom, for coming in and having a good conversation with us and for, I think, being pretty easy on me. So I appreciate that. But you helped a lot of people. And so, hey, to grab any of the resources we talked about, uh, the Crosswords for Grief book, to see the key insights and, and maybe even a few not-so-key insights from today's show, we always put together show notes at redletterpodcast.com. It's going to have all the links and everything right there for you. Uh, again, we want to thank Kerry Newhoff and his team for putting together a free mastermind, a free class that's going to help you build an influential online presence. And so to register for that, you can go to influencekickstarter.com and uh, it's free and it's going to help you who create content, get that content out even more. And so next week, oh man, next week. 
We are bringing Eric Bramlett onto the podcast. Eric came on for about a 10-minute span as a guest cameo in episode four with Dave Ferguson. So if you want to do your homework, go back and listen to episode four this week so you're ready for next week. Eric, we have such a good time. He's the creative arts director at one of the most influential churches in our nation. And so we talked to him about how do you cultivate creativity? What does God think about comedy? I think that's a fun question to think about. Plus, Eric is known as a song parody expert. And so Chris and I both try our chops at writing a song parody actually about Eric. So you're going to see who wins the song parody battle. Is it me? Is it Chris? Episode's not only going to be helpful, it's going to be a lot of fun. So don't miss it. How do you not miss it? Subscribe or follow. Whatever platform you're using, subscribe or follow. And if you're there, will you tap five stars for us and leave a review and share with a friend if you think they would enjoy today's episode. So we'll see you back next week for the Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.